0: This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Well, I don't know if that's exactly the way it happened, but I love that little skit because it kind of gives something of the emotion that must have been going on in the lives of uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth as they got this wonderful news day after so many years of being childless. They were going to have a little one, and that that little one would bring them into a bigger plan that God was working on. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning a little bit, is about uh, Elizabeth's perspective on all of this. Now, Pastor Mike already established that next week you'll have Nick. He's the fun one. I'm, 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 the, I'm the other one. Um, it's just... Just the way it goes, and I think as we were looking at these different women, uh, because there's Mary, Pastor Nickel, look at that, and and uh, I'm with Elizabeth because I guess they assume being the oldest guy of the bunch, I would understand older women. I think that's why they did that, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, I just, <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I just really don't. But I, but I have discovered. Um, that uh, women at, at any age, at least at any age that my wife has been, are um, very complex and wonderful creatures. So it's good. It's, it's a nice adventure getting to know them, but uh, I don't know I know them any better than anybody else. But, so I'm counting on Luke's account in the Gospel of Luke about Mary and Zechariah and what they went through to help us out. So if you have your Bibles, and you know where Luke is, it's the third book in the New Testament, so it'll be like two-thirds of the way back in your Bibles. But I'll be putting the things up here so we can uh, figure this out together. We meet them in the fifth chapter I'm sorry, the first chapter of Luke, uh, beginning at the fifth verse. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. These are good people. And uh, they, they had uh, followed the Lord. These are were, these were among the faithful ones. Not all of the priesthood was as faithful as Zachariah was. In fact, the high priest, by this point in Israel's history, was largely a political appointment. And we meet them later, of course, in Jesus' story, and they're not very nice guys. Uh, Zechariah's ultimate boss was pretty much a political hack, but Zechariah and some others like him were still faithful, and were taking care of the people and, and ministering among them. And evidently, Elizabeth, his wife, was right there with him, uh, helping him. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we, you evaluate pastors' wives like uh, Denise or uh, or Ange or uh, Cindy, and you know, there's sometimes there's it, a model of what they should be and what they should be like, and If they did that back then for priest's wives, uh, Elizabeth was right there as a godly example of what a priest's wife should be, supporting him and encouraging him in his ministry. So they were together. They uh, they loved the Lord. They loved his word. They followed it. Uh, Everything was good about their lives. And and this was a special day because it was Abijah's turn to go into the temple. That didn't happen very often, and it didn't happen to everybody. He was in the group called uh, Abijah. Those of you who know First Chronicles 23 and 24 know that there were just thousands of these guys. They were descendants of Levi, and some of them were especially descendants of Aaron. And the ones who were descendants of Aaron had special responsibilities to actually go into the temple. But since there were 24 groupings, you only went in twice a year for a week. That's how they covered it. The other four weeks were festival days and things. So the, the group of Abijah that he was in only went in twice a year, and there were hundreds of guys in his group. So the likelihood that you would be chosen to go in was rather slim. In fact, there were many who went through their whole careers as priests without ever having the opportunity and privilege to go into the temple and minister at the altar of incense. And it had taken Zechariah this whole life, to get there. You only did it once. Once you did it, then you were off the list again. This was the very end of his ministry career. He was an old man by this point, and he gets to go in to the temple. What a special day it must have been. When you went into that first big room of the temple, and you wouldn't be able to go in, only the priest could in certain circumstances, there would be several items or pieces of furniture. There's a a table that had little loaves of bread on to remind us of the Lord's provision for his twelve tribes, There was a candelabra that was to remind us that God sent his light into the world. And then right in front of you was a little altar. And incense would be burning there. And the priest would go in morning and evening and pray for the people. And this was his opportunity to do that this day. There's only one issue that we need to mention here. And that is, with all the other good things in their lives, and what a wonderful day this was for them, they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. This is the one thing in their life that uh, kind of was a distress. They weren't able to have children, and that was their heart's desire. Elizabeth is faithful, but unfulfilled. Later she describes it to her friends like this. She said, I I felt as though there was a a disgrace in my life, that I was disgraced because uh, I hadn't been able to bear children. And as good as my life was, as wonderful as the opportunities were to minister with Zechariah, I feel like I'm not really fulfilled in life because the Lord never gave me the opportunity to give Zechariah children. And this was a real ache in her heart. Um, We have friends that have been through this. Uh, Some of them later eventually had children because of the wonderful things that modern reproductive technology can do these days. But we have other friends who went their whole lives, never had children. It was a, kind of an aching in their heart for many years. And you know some of those people, too. So you can identify with Elizabeth's frame of mind as she approaches this special day. She's sad because with all the other good stuff, she doesn't have children. And also notice it wasn't because she was bad It wasn't because she hadn't done all the things the Lord required of her. She was faithful, just like her husband. And yet God, for whatever reasons were his, had just not blessed them with children. There's no indication she was upset or bitter, but there was kind of an aching in her heart and a longing to have children. Maybe that had even passed by now. I don't know. She's very old, it says. So maybe she had dealt with it. Maybe she had reconciled herself. You women will have to tell me how that all works through in your mind, because I know you deal with it differently than the guys in your life do. But she had this problem when we meet her. She doesn't have children. Let's just pick up on the actual incident that brings Zechariah and Elizabeth, like a whirlwind, into the plan of God. On this occasion, Zachariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, and he was chosen by lot to go into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. They'd be outside in the courtyard waiting for him to come out. When he would offer up prayers for the people, he would then go outside and proclaim a blessing on the people. The Lord bless you and keep you, and his face shine upon you, that old prayer from Aaron in the Old Testament. So they were waiting for him to come out and assure them that he had been in there praying for him. But while he's standing there, a remarkable thing happens. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Now, I've got to give you a little bit of background here, just so you understand his frame of mind. When the angel appears, we later find out is actually Gabriel, come from the presence of God. When he appears by the altar of incense to talk to Zechariah, this is an enormous thing because God has not spoken directly to his people in 400 years. Now, back when I was younger, uh, when Denise and I were still newly married, I was... Stubborn and I was a jerk. And there were times, yeah, believe it or not, I know. <laughs> there were times when I would just, I don't know, get my hackles up and, and I would like not talk to her. I would, so I would shut down and go into non communication mode. I guess I thought that would hurt her feelings or something. It didn't, although it doesn't seem to have bothered her. So I don't <laughs> know. But, and I remember one time I didn't talk to her for almost two weeks. I know it's nutty. Uh, but, It it killed me to go that long without talking to her. Here, God hadn't spoken directly to his people for 400 years. There are a lot of reasons for that. After he brought them back into the land and they got established again, they kind of started to drift away from him and just try to go back to things as usual, which didn't include always God. And he was waiting for just the right moment to come back in and intervene. Zachariah's contact with the angel is the first contact they have had with God in 400 years. So you can understand why he was kind of stressed. 400 years ago here, the pilgrims were still trying to figure out how to get on a boat to come over. That long ago. After 400 years, finally, God speaks. And he decides to speak to this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, says the angel. Your prayer has been heard Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, which incidentally means something like God is gracious or the gracious God. That's what John means. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You're going to have a son, and not only you're going to have a son, in fact, that's what that scene was kind of about uh, when we were looking just a minute ago, is the time when Zechariah actually announces to Elizabeth they're going to have a son. But it all of a sudden occurs to them, I think, as they talk about it together, that what has happened is a really more extraordinary thing than any of them would realize. The angel says, your prayer has been answered. Let me think through that with you for a minute, because uh, I wonder what prayer was answered. It looks like the prayer that was answered was the prayer that they would have a son. I'm sure Zachariah and Elizabeth had prayed that prayer many times. Maybe they had given up by now because they're very old, but I am sure when they were young, they prayed that almost daily around the table as they prayed for other needs they had. So maybe that's the prayer that was answered. And yet at that moment, Zechariah's job at the altar of incense was not to pray for his personal needs, but to pray for the people and to pray that God would work among his people again, that he would, he would send Messiah finally into their lives. Even though it had been 400 years since God had spoken, he would continue to be praying for that. And I think what happens here is that Gabriel says this, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. Which prayer? Yes. Your prayer for Messiah to come is going to be answered. Your prayer that God would deal with his people once again is going to be answered. And here's the neat part. I've worked, God has worked this out, Zachariah, so that you and Elizabeth will be part of that plan. Your son. What son? Oh, didn't I tell you? Elizabeth. Old Elizabeth. She's going to have a son. And that son will be the forerunner of the Messiah when he comes. And Zachariah and Elizabeth must be floored by this. And what, what I'm starting to see here. OK, yeah. one more thing. After he goes home, of course, she becomes pregnant. For five months, she remains in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she says. I'm not sure why she stayed in seclusion. Um, I talked to my wife a lot about this. Maybe some of you women have some ideas. She didn't go out, and she made no public announcement of her pregnancy for five months. Um, Now, it may be she had a lot of things on her plate. I mean, she had a a husband who couldn't speak or hear, so that kind of would have maybe taken extra time and things. Maybe she just wanted to be careful, didn't want to go outside, catch germs, fall, or something. I don't know. But I'm wondering, because my wife tells me that it's... um, that's around four months or so that uh, women first feel the signs of life. I know there are other symptoms. I've heard about all those, uh, but around that time, you actually feel, what do they call it, the quickening. You, so you, now you really know there's life. Maybe she was waiting for that moment so that she'd be sure and she'd know that everything was all right with the pregnancy. And between there and the beginning of the fifth month of also her baby bump would be starting to show, I guess. So maybe she waited until those things were evident before she actually went public with this. But I think the whole time, she's really pondering. She's, she's, this is a confirmation to her, what happens at the fifth month, that all of this is real. And I think she's pondering what the significance is, is of this. She's working through this. Our son is coming. I can feel him now. Uh, here again, I speak as just one who has heard about this. I've never felt that quickening. You women have, and I, I know how you describe it is kind of exciting for me. I got, I got to feel it, finally, because my wife would say, right there, right there. I think, that's his, I think that's his foot. I think that's his, you know. But she felt it. And Elizabeth is realizing that what's happening is really still bigger than just her. And so she goes out, finally, at the end of the fifth month, and I guess declares it publicly to all of her friends and says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. I see in this there's something happening now. Before they were faithful but unfulfilled. Now she's finding fulfillment is beginning to unfold. And it's starting to dawn on her what's happening and what her responsibilities are. And why it's so important that this one that she has will be the one will announce Messiah's coming. I think one of the things that happens when you deal with that, when you realize that what's happening in your life as an answer to your prayers probably has something to do with something bigger that God is doing, you now start to find your place in God's plan and you want to be an encourager to others. So Mary comes into the scene. I don't want to say too much about Mary because Pastor Nick will talk more about her next week. But Mary is some sort of a cousin or a distant relative of Elizabeth. Mary has heard that Elizabeth is expecting. She's excited, so she goes to visit her at her home in Judea, somewhere in the area of Jerusalem. And they spend some time together. Mary got up and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped at her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit And with a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Because she understood that what was going on with her was bigger than just her and Zechariah. She was now empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an encourager of others. And they say, look, I'm excited. Not only did my prayer get answered and Zach and I are going to have a baby, but, but this one inside me will be the forerunner of your child. And she's empowered by the Holy Spirit to encourage Mary. And I don't know how much difference it makes to, to Elizabeth at this point, because I think of this as a guy, not a, not a woman, It seems to me that it takes some humility on her part to deal this way, because now what she's realizing is that her son will be the forerunner of Mary's son. And she will now take a, a, a support role or a secondary role to Mary. The one she is encouraging will be the one who will merge now as the more prominent figure. But I think you can do that when you realize that you're both part of the plan To advance God's plan. When all of a sudden it's not just about you and your good news. It's a part of what God is doing among His people. And to just know that you're excited that you can just be a part of it. So she's empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an encourager of Mary and I'm sure of others. Because she knew that this one who was coming was part of God's plan. I don't know what it is in your life that you're struggling with or wrestling with. I'm not sure what the desires of your heart that you've been praying about and longing for. But just consider the possibility that the way God is going to answer your prayer, the way he's going to deal with you, um, the way he's going to provide for you will be linked to something bigger than just you. And I think Mary realizes that and that sets her free to uh, capitalize on that or leverage that understanding to encourage and strengthen others. Now maybe it's not just about babies for you. Maybe it is. Maybe you're in just a situation that Elizabeth was in when this story started. Maybe it is the issue of children or grandchildren and a longing to have them. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe there's some other longing of your heart, problem Uh, in a marriage, uh, relationship struggles, problems at work, finances, consider the possibility that the way God is going to answer that prayer will will be bigger than just you. That he will work in your life in such a way that you will be used for his glory, for his son's glory, as he accomplishes things in your life. So that others will be amazed at what God is doing. And that will now set you free to be empowered by the Spirit to really make a difference beyond just what God is doing. You'll be able to share with others how God has been working in your life to give you opportunities. Finally, it was time for Elizabeth to actually have the baby. She gave birth to a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they had this ceremony of circumcision on the eighth day. They don't do it like we do it today. And they were going to name him, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. They thought he would be Zech Jr. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And what I call this is boldly believing. See, Mary, I'm sorry, Elizabeth had become convinced by this point that God's plan for her son was bigger than she ever imagined. It isn't just that they had somebody to take care of them in their old age now, or that finally there was a boy in the house and had taken away her disgrace. She realized that this one, whose name means God's grace, uh, was going to be the forerunner of Messiah. God had big plans for her family, for her son, and she embraced them fully. And by naming him John, she announces that to everybody else. Hey, I'm not just settling for family here, people. For my friends and family who have gathered, I'm not just settling. This is not a small thing for me. I believe my son has a destiny. I believe that God gave him to us to make a difference in his world for his glory. I believe that our son will be the forerunner of the Messiah. And we're going to do everything that we can to make that difference in his life. Whatever it is that God has given you as a longing in your heart, that thing that isn't fulfilled yet, when He starts to work in your life to answer that prayer, when He starts to unfold His purposes, embrace them. And it's not just a once and done, you'll see these things unfold. We've been, uh, you know, we pray in for different things in our family. We pray for our children, praying for a couple of them in some specific ways. And God hasn't completely <clears throat> answered the prayer that we've prayed for our one daughter. Hasn't answered it specifically in the way that we've been praying it yet. But we can see Him working in bigger ways. One of the things we notice, for example, is that the Lord invariably sends people into her life that are Christians and, and you know, to kind of speak into her life so that we don't always have to be saying some of these things. And she has given us grandchildren. And now we have the opportunity to make a difference in their lives. And so we can see that the way God is responding to our prayer, although the answer has not come specifically the way that we asked it, we can see that He's working in such a way, we believe, to advance His glory in our lives and through our family. And we still hope that the specifics of that prayer will be answered. But in the meantime, we're seeing and recognizing That what's going on is bigger than just us or just even her. It's all about what he's doing. I don't know how he's moving in your families, in your finances, in all those areas where you have longings and feel that your life is unfulfilled. Look to see if there are places where God is unfolding his answers now in such a way that he's having a bigger impact than you would initially imagined. Maybe you're having opportunities to share your faith at work. Maybe you got overlooked for that promotion, and it was desire of your heart, and one of your coworkers comes to you and wonders why you're not more upset than you are, and you just share with them that, well, I'm just trusting the Lord to provide for our needs. We're going to keep on working hard. I'm going to keep at it and try to get that promotion the next time around. But in the meantime, we're trusting the Lord. And all of a sudden, people in your workplace are hearing remarkable things from you, and God is working in your life, and things are unfolding in your life in terms of influence and outreach. They never would have been there if it hadn't been for this. When Zechariah was in the temple hearing the angel, and he probably, I'm sure, related this to Elizabeth, he heard the angel say that this one who will be your son will bring children back to their parents and parents to their children and prepare people for the Lord. And I think when he heard those words, he was absolutely stunned because Zechariah and Elizabeth knew well what most of us today don't know is that although it had been 400 years since God had spoken, here's the last thing that God said 400 years before John the Baptist. Here's the last thing he said through the prophet Malachi. One day I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And I think Zacharias, I think he knew that. I think he he knew the Old Testament. So did Elizabeth. And they said, unbelievable. It's been 400 years since God has spoken, but he's right on track. He's picking up. Right where he left off, the last thing he promised is that one would come who would be like Elijah, who would change things and bring people back together and prepare the way of the Lord. And what Gabriel says to us is, that's your son. He's the one who will have the spirit of Elijah. He's the one that will bring families back together and prepare the way of the Lord. Zechariah and Elizabeth realized that God's plan, although it seemed interrupted, is right back on track in his perfect timing. I don't know how long you've been waiting for your answer, but God's timing is perfect. And however long it takes, he knows what you need. He'll provide for you, and he'll answer that prayer in his time and in such a spectacular way that what unfolds in your life is something bigger than you ever could have imagined. Let me just pray for you that that thing in your life that you're dealing with, maybe especially at this Christmas time, would be a thing that would really make a difference and open up for you new vistas for service and ministry in your life. Lord, I thank you for the example of godly Elizabeth, who, although she had this longing in her heart, saw it fulfilled, ultimately, in a way that she hadn't imagined. What an unexpected fulfillment it was. And she was the one, she and her husband were the ones who got to see your plan of old, begin to unfold in her lifetime. It wasn't the final answer, but her son would be the link to Jesus. Lord, I pray that in our lives, that that the answers that you give us, and even the most um, deeply felt longings of our heart, would be answered in such a way that we understand that your response was bigger than our request, that you mean to do things. Maybe we hear a little bit of that from the heaters, that uh, although um, tragedy has happened from our perspective, yet God is still at work. Maybe we've seen it in our lives, with all the things that are going on in our lives, to believe that God is really doing something to fulfill our desires, and unfold His redemptive plan in the process. Or maybe the other way around. His redemptive plan is moving forward and He incorporates our answers into His plan. Lord, I thank You for that. For each of us individually, for for us as a church, may may the days ahead be our uh, finest uh, hours and days of fulfillment and encouragement as we seek your will for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Years later, um, John grows up, has a wonderful ministry from everything that we can tell. Very influential, powerful speaker, charismatic personality. Many are coming to hear him preach as he proclaims the coming Lord. In fact, people think maybe he's the Messiah. He's such a remarkable person. And he says, no, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm just preparing the way for him. And then one day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and points to him and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, As we come to our time of communion, I just ask that you would be thinking in your hearts about this ultimate unfolding of God's plan that the perfect Son of God would go to the cross. And that's what we're remembering here. His body given for us, His blood shed for us, so that we might know His grace, experience His forgiveness, and become part of His unfolding plan, even in our day. The plan continues to unfold. Redemption continues to be extended in our day, through our church and through our lives. Uh, may this be one of the things you think about as you prepare your hearts for the bread in the cup. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.